time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Thanks for joining us today on Reengineering Your Finances, the podcast that helps you learn a little bit more about the financial world and how you can best prepare for your retirement future. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA on Route 52. You can find us online by going to cpweldygroup.com. On today's show, we're going to talk about how to avoid critical retirement planning mistakes. So we're going to cover some of the top ones that we see, and Charles is going to help us learn how we can avoid these things. You ready to roll, Charles? I'm ready to roll, Walter. All right, perfect. Let's do it. Um, So first of all, if you're a retiree or a pre-retiree, you may have heard the saying that bonds are considered a safe investment. Why does that sometimes fall into the arena of a critical retirement planning mistake, though, Charles? Well, I would say like uh, there's a rule that says, hey, uh, how old are you? Uh, Let's just say somebody was 70 years old. And basically they say, hey, take 100 minus 70 and the balance 30 would be in in, uh, stocks and 70 percent would be in fixed income or bonds. And I think that's a ridiculous rule because everybody has different circumstances at different ages. Bonds being a safe investment, I mean, let's face it, and I have, to, I have a confession to make. I mean, I've been told over the last five, six years that uh, interest rates have nowhere to go but up. And as interest rates go up, bond values go down. Well, interest rates kept on going down. And now we're at almost 0% interest rates. Uh, so I would say that my pet peeve with bonds is that the interest rate is so low for the high quality, short, intermediate term bonds that you're really not making anything. I mean, you're not even keeping up with inflation. I do have a bias with bonds. I've never really liked them, to be candid with you, Walter. And uh, what I try to do in my practice is educate my clients on what I call a bond alternative. And what it is, it's just a fixed indexed annuity. And basically, in a nutshell, a fixed index annuity will maybe get you a good one, maybe two-thirds of the market gains and none of the market losses. So if historically markets have done, and I'm just going to use a low figure because I believe that we're in a new normal today, if markets do like 6% in stocks, a good fixed index annuity might do 4%. And um, I will take an investment that makes up to 4% with no market risk any day over most bonds, because to make a 3 or 4% return on a bond today, I think you have to go long-term, where you have to go less quality bonds, more like what they call junk bonds. And I'm not willing with today's environment to subject my clients to uh, interest rate risk or quality risk in the bond arena. Uh, I'd rather have them in a fixed indexed annuity. And just to you know summarize, um, that's just not my feeling. There was a white paper done by the American College, uh, which is like a, a college for financial planners here in Bryn Mawr, Pennsylvania. And perhaps like a year, a year and a half ago, they came out with a I don't know how many page white paper on how adding a fixed index annuity to a portfolio could actually decrease your risk and enhance your overall return. So that's what I kind of adhere to in my practice. But obviously, if a client is like not open minded to a fixed index annuity, we'll use short or intermediate term bonds. 
That's good to know. And I think it's just something that's important to consider and talk about when we talk about these mistakes. It may be that you've heard it in such a glowing light for so long that you would never even consider uh, adding a particular investment or following one of these strategies that we're going to talk about a potential mistake. But that's how it is for some people's situations. It can certainly qualify as that. Another common and critical retirement planning mistake is not protecting yourself against long-term care needs. This is something that a lot of people like to seem to adopt the ostrich mentality about Charles and just sort of stick their head in the sand rather than addressing it. Yeah, I mean, I've always said, Walter, that everybody wants long-term care, but nobody wants to pay for it. And, um, you know, what? I have a case that I'm working on now. It's a beautiful case. We have a client. She's probably 64 now. When I met her a couple of years ago, 62. So she's 64, 65. And um, she has this long-term care policy. I won't mention the company she's with. It's a very reputable company. But as you know, most companies want to get out of the long-term care business because they don't know what their long-term unfunded liability is. And every year, they're raising the premiums on those that remain in the program. So to make a long story short, she got this policy probably like 15 years ago. Uh, maybe initially the premium was 1800 a year. Now it's close to uh, $4,000 a year. So she, she's only about 65. Let's just use that. And I remember asking her maybe about a half a year ago, I said, look, uh, what do you think your life expectancy is? She said, I had 25, 30 years. And I said, all right, let's just assume that your long-term care premium doesn't go up anymore. It still remains at 4,000 a year. 4,000 a year times 25 years is a hundred grand. I have no problem you paying this 4,000 a year, but my only concern is that, hey, if you pass away and you don't need long-term care, you just blew a hundred grand. And I didn't even count the money that she paid previous to this conversation. So to make a long story short, what we're in the process of doing now, Walter, is we're actually looking at, hey, if we just deployed $100,000 over the next five years to a life insurance policy that had a long-term care benefit, would that be more advantageous to this client than just paying a $4,000 annual premium for the rest of her life? And we ran the numbers and basically at $20,000 a year for five years, she could get a $300,000 long-term, well, she could get a $300,000 death benefit. So when she dies, and we all know that we're all someday going to die, so at least she's going to get $300,000 death benefit. But here's the kicker. If she ever needed long-term care, she's permitted to take 2% of $300,000, which is a death benefit, that's $6,000 a month, and that would give her $6,000 a month for up to four years to subsidize her long-term care need. And she has a great pension that we created for her, a Roth pension, and she also has great Social Security that she's going to get at age 70. So the reality of it is, is I think that's a blueprint, not just for that particular client, but a lot of other clients just to deploy some of their resources and put it into an asset class that will A, pretty much guarantee that they need long-term care, it's covered, and B, if they don't need long-term care, that money, instead of being an expense on an annual basis, can now be an asset that actually gives a tax-free benefit to beneficiaries. It's awesome to look at some of the other solutions that are out there for long-term care needs. And I think you just hit the nail on the head. Everybody wants that coverage, but nobody's willing to pay for it. So sometimes we can look at alternatives and uh, and also we just need to prioritize it and, and look at how important it is to guard against it because it can blow up a financial plan if we're not careful. Uh, another common and critical retirement planning mistake, not guarding against market declines. Hmm. 
We've talked about this before the coronavirus situation, and now kind of in the in the wake of it, this one is still just as important to keep in mind. Yeah, I mean, market declines, think about it. We're talking about volatility, right? And a market decline, I guess a bear market would be a 20% or more decrease in you know whatever indice you're looking at. So I would say this, as a, somebody that likes history and looks at history, since World War II, we've had 20 bear markets. And a bear market, again, is defined as a 20% or more decrease in the indice. If, if truth be told, the average bear is about 30%. So when people see their accounts Going down by thirty percent, even like the uh, you know the bold and uh, you know confident person that most of us are have in us, we become a little bit uh, you know despair, a little bit of uh, uncertainty. And I would say this: I mean, let's look at it this way. You know, when people are looking at market declines, I mean, we have to like you know put our money in different categories. What do we need now? What do we need you know within the next ten years? And what do we need you know ten years plus? And if truth be told, the volatility is what gives us the premium return. I mean, fixed income isn't as volatile as stocks. And that's why in fixed income, you don't get the return that you get in the stock market. Cash is not as volatile as fixed income. So you probably won't get the rate of return in cash that you'll get in fixed income. So my point is that volatility is part of the return and we have to embrace it. So in order to benefit from volatility, we have to put our assets in different locations. And those locations are now money, soon money or later money. And then we have to take advantage of you know, when the markets go down. I mean, think about it. We all buy our cars and our, um, you know, linens when they're on sale. That's why they have weight sales, right? For linens when they're on sale. But we never buy our stocks on sale. Now that stocks are pretty much, uh, you know, at their lowest level that they've been in three, four, five years, uh, people are shying away from them, wondering like, hey, you know, where's the next 25% going to go? And I'm saying like, look, you know, you have to have a plan. And if the plan says, you know, you need X amount of dollars in the future, you're better served by allocating X amount of dollars to that later bucket so that, you know, um, over time, if history's any guide, you will make, you know, maybe twice the amount that you're going to make in a fixed income account. And, you know, who knows how much more that you'll make just, you know, leaving the money laying in a cash account. So I hope that helps you know, volatility is, is really like the price you pay for the premium return. It's like always going to be with us. And what people don't understand is that in any one year, the stock market can go up and down. Uh, I think the average is about 14% in any one year. So uh, it's not like people looking at the market every day. They kind of look at it quarterly, semi-annually, annually. And I wish I had in front of me, Walter, uh, I was on a conference call, I think last Thursday, and uh, somebody from DFA, Dimensional Fund Advisors, was on the uh, call and he was sharing with us, and I don't have it in front of me and I don't want to go by my memory, but you know, the concept is that you know, in any one day, the stock market is, is up a certain percentage and down a certain percentage. Like, you know, like, and I'll just like, you know, kind of use an example. This is not gospel, I'll use an example. In any one day, you could have 53% of the time the stock's being up. And 47% of the time, the stocks are being down in any one day. Now you look at any one month. In any one month, it might be more like 60% of the time the stock's up and 40% it's down. In any one year, 75% of the time it's up, 25% of the time it's down. So the point I want to make is that we can't 
the investors and look at our account values on a daily, monthly basis. We have to be long-term investors and know that volatility is something that we embrace because volatility will help us in the long-term beat inflation and, and give us the purchasing power we need to pay for perhaps a 25, 30-year retirement. Yeah, this is so, uh, I think, so critical to cover these critical retirement planning mistakes, because you can see with any one of these, if we're not careful, we can really get ourselves in trouble. And I think a lot of people felt that when the market took its big dip with uh, this coronavirus situation. And we don't know exactly how long that recovery is going to take. And if you were still several years away from retirement, you may not have felt that sting so badly. But imagine if retirement was only a few months away and you took a huge hit in the stock market and how you'd be feeling right now. So it's one of those major things that certainly needs to get addressed. Uh, Another critical retirement planning mistake, I'm sure you see this one all the time, Charles, is folks who assume that a particular financial tool is always either good or bad. It works in both directions. But, you know, my cousin told me that I should never, ever, ever get one of those financial products or the other way around. My brother said that this is the best thing since sliced bread and I need one too. Uh, You see people on both sides of that fence? I do. And I think uh, the first, uh, something's bad or not good and you shouldn't own it. The thing that comes to my mind is annuities. So there's a guy by the name of Ken Fisher in the Wall Street Journal on occasion. He'll have a one page ad and the headline will say, I hate annuities and you should too. Well, I mean, the reality of it is like when you think about it, what's Social Security? That's an annuity, right? You know, what are pensions? They're annuities, right? So, you know, to really like you know, paint something with a broad brush and saying it's really good or really bad is not fair. What you really have to do is you have to ask people like, you know, I mean, I I meet people every day that, you know, hey, uh, I love planning, but guess what? I don't want to get an annuity, right? Well, you know, I have to, I have to respect what they're saying, but I just can't let it like fly like that's gospel. I have to say, hey, you know, you're not the first person that told me that. What's, uh, you know, what have you heard that aren't good about annuities? Or what have you heard that are not good about, you know, investing in stocks or sectors or whatever? And uh, to make a long story short, I think when people realize like, hey, uh, at some point in time when we retire, we have to turn assets into income and uh, we have to have an income that perhaps we can't outlive, then maybe, just maybe, there's a small opportunity for someone to embrace the fact that, hey, if I deploy a certain percentage of my assets to get lifetime income, is that a good thing or a bad thing? I think most people have to be open-minded to that. Now, obviously, somebody has a pension, they have good social security, they have uh, you know, uh, minor living expenses, and they don't need more guaranteed income, then maybe annuities aren't really something that should be on the table. But by and large, uh, what I hear consistently from a lot of people, not just potential prospects or not existing clients are all educated, but, you know, even from like uh, things that I read uh, from third parties, like, you know, either you love annuities or hate annuities, but there's nothing in between. And I say, hey, you know what? You have to look at the advantage and disadvantage of each and every investment. And that includes stocks and that includes fixed income, including bonds. You know, let's look at the disadvantage and the advantage of each and every instrument and then make a determination what fits best for your particular needs. 
That's great, Charles. So many critical retirement planning mistakes. Hopefully it doesn't feel overwhelming to you. There are a lot of landmines that we have to avoid out there, uh, but it can be done, and we can make sure that we are navigating around these things. We just have to be careful, and it always helps to have that planner on your side. One last example here, Charles, uh, of another critical retirement planning mistakes, and this is an obvious last one here, not having a plan. Without a plan, it's harder to avoid some of these other things that we've talked about. I agree. Like we've been, you know, that's really like my uh, passion is to do plans to make middle Americans, you know, really like uh, embrace the fact that, you know what, you can have a plan just like these really wealthy people do. Uh, You don't have to pay taxes for the rest of your life. If you plan, you know, on prepaying some taxes, you don't have to, uh, you know, maybe like uh, just hope and pray that, you know, you're going to run out of air before you run out of money. If you got a plan done, uh, you know, you would know like, hey, what are the most likely scenarios that you're going to be successful or not successful? And what are some of the roadblocks and opportunities that you might not be taking advantage of without a, a date specific, dollar specific written financial plan? And, you know, just a case in point today, you know, as we speak, I'm doing plans for clients where, hey, the market went down substantially. You know, that's not a good thing. I mean, you know, somebody that had 100 grand, you know, round numbers in a stock account might have 70 grand as we speak. But I'm looking at the opportunity of saying, hey, wait a minute, you know, before this happened six, seven weeks ago, it was a great investment. It's still a great investment now, even though it's 30% discounted. Let's consider maybe taking a portion of that and putting it into a Roth IRA, paying taxes at reduced prices. And then when the market recovers and comes back and maybe gives you that annual return of 6% plus a year, we can look at 12 years from now, the money doubled. And all of a sudden, like, wow, now as we take it out during our retirement, years, it's tax-free for the rest of our life. How good is that? So, you know, the point I want to make is the plan really will dictate the investments. And if the plan doesn't change, the investments don't change. You can just tweak it depending upon facts and circumstances, you know, that occur uh, in the interim period of time. So um, I don't know anything else to say about that, except we do plans. We do simple plans, standard plans, and complex plans. And really depending upon you know, the complexity, you know, we, we have a, we charge a fee. We look at it objectively. We put ourselves in your position. If we were you, what would we do? What are some of the things that you're doing? Well, what are some of the things that you're not doing well? And let's actually make what you're doing better, you know, and the only way to make it better is to actually put it in writing and look at the opportunities that might be out there. If we looked at, you know, the whole, spectrum of opportunities as opposed to just being closed-minded and just looking at, hey, what's the price of the stock today? And I wonder when this uh, virus is going to like end and we're going to get back to normal. No, the plan will dictate you know, the actions. And pretty much, even though the last six weeks have been um, you know, kind of like uh, abnormal, uh, most people, and not, not most, all people that we've done plans for, they adhere to the plan. They're actually taking advantage of potential Roth conversions as we speak. It's interesting to look at that. When you get a plan in place, it's a plan that is built for good times, but also built to weather the bad times. And it's neat that you've been able to see that play out over the last two months, Charles, of how the plans have really come to fruition and worked in this period of upheaval and uncertainty and volatility. And that's what a plan is meant to do, to last through these times so that as you're retired, you're not having to have those second-guessing uh, times. And, you know, are we going to be okay? Uh, you know the answers to those questions from 
the financial standpoint. And that's what having a plan is all about. If you want to get a plan in place, reach out to Charles Weldy. If you don't have one already or you want a second opinion of your current financial plan, reach out and have a conversation and get a complimentary review. You can do that by calling 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. That's cpweldygroup.com. Charles, always appreciate your help on the show. This was a good one, and we'll look forward to talking again soon. Thank you, Walter. Appreciate it. All right. We'll talk with Charles coming up again on the next edition of Reengineering Your Finances. We'll put all the contact information for Charles in the description and show notes of today's episode. So if you want to get in touch, it's easy to find the info. And we'll look forward to talking to you on the next podcast. Thanks for listening. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.